This podcast is a production of Schweitzer, a United Methodist Church, transforming lives by making disciples of Jesus Christ. I would never be able to do that. Woodworking. That's, I marvel at that, though. It's a great video, though, because it reminds us that God wants to be at work in our life, that God is creating. He's the master craftsman, and he's, he's fashioning us to be made in his image. I want to share with you as I begin today just a, a brief word about a new adventure in my life. I've begun a two-year journey now in learning how to become a spiritual director. And so I've joined uh, 12 cohorts across the country, and we gather five different times during the year, and I'm reading books, and I'm writing papers, and I'm doing verbatims, and I'm learning by doing becoming a spiritual director. And someone asked me the question, well, I thought you already were uh, my spiritual director as pastor, and yet this is a little bit different. Just as sometimes we acquire the services of a uh, life coach, or we might acquire the services of a counselor, or we might get someone to help us do physical training, uh, this is about uh, coming alongside someone and listening to what God is doing in their life. And A spiritual director works one-on-one in uh, helping someone's soul become awake and help them to pay attention to God's whispers and how we can become more intimate in our relationship with God, that God is real and close. And so I'm excited about this adventure. I ask for your prayers. I hope that my doing this as I continue to be your pastor is something that benefits all of you as a congregation. And as a spiritual director, one of the things that he or she does is they, they help people to sit with the Word of God, to listen to Scripture, and to believe that God speaks to us out of Scripture into our hearts. And as I read the scripture today from James 2, what I want to invite you to do is just to listen to the Spirit. Maybe there's a phrase, maybe there's a word that speaks directly to you. Just pay attention to that. We're looking at this amazing book, this New Testament book, during the month of July. Written most likely by Jesus' biological brother to Jewish Christians under persecution. So he has just rich, practical, godly wisdom. And he pulls no punches in what it really means to live this radical life of taking into our life the teachings of Jesus. With that in mind, listen to the word of James 2. And I invite you to stand with me as we can hear God's word speak to us this morning. Brothers and sisters, do you with acts of favoritism really believe in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ? For if a person with gold rings and fine clothes comes into your assembly, and if a poor person in dirty clothes also comes in, and if you take notice of one wearing fine clothes and say, 
have a seat here, please. While to the one who is poor you say, stand there or sit at my feet. Have you not made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers and sisters, has not God chosen the poor in the world to be rich in faith and to be heirs of the kingdom that he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor. Is it not the rich who oppress you? Is it not they who drag you into court? Is it not they who blaspheme the excellent name that was invoked over you? You do well if you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law of trans as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become accountable to all of it. For the one who said you shall not commit adultery also said you shall not murder. Now if you do not commit adultery, but if you murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and act as those who are to be judged by the law of liberty. For judgment will be without mercy to anyone who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but do not have works? Can faith save you? If a brother or sister is naked and lacks daily food and one of you says to them, go in peace, be, keep warm, eat your fill, and yet you do not supply their bodily needs, what? is the good of that. So faith by itself, if it has no works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I by my works will show you my faith. You believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you senseless person, that faith apart from works is barren? Was it not our ancestor Abraham justified by works when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was brought to completion by the works. Thus the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. Likewise was not Rahab the prostitute also justified by works when she welcomed the messengers and sent them out by another road? For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is also dead. You may have a seat. Well, were there any phrases or words that came to you? You know, James pulls no punches here, does he? He's just kind of in our face about it. And as I was listening to the Scripture, and I've been living with this Scripture for a few weeks, it's really messed with me. There's certain roadsides or certain words that leap out from the page that help me to stay on spiritual track. You know, uh, 
we're going to look at some of those roadsides together today that keep us on spiritually on track. There's a spirituality today that's really kind of popular that says, uh, enjoy the journey, don't worry about the destination. Well, I kind of think both are important. I uh, made that trip to my first uh, weekend with Sela uh, a couple weeks ago, and uh, probably unwisely, I decided to drive myself. 1,842 miles round trip by car, and I'm not that interesting of a person to travel with. And as I'm driving along, I decide also I'm not going to take any maps along. I'm just going to depend upon my GPS and upon Siri to help get me there. To Stoneville, North Carolina, up in the rolling hills and the sticks of North Carolina where I'd never been to before. And I'm living testimony that God looks after fools, children, and me on the journey. I was relieved many times along the way to see a road sign, a highway marker that told me I was on the right road. And friends, I think that's what the Scripture does for us. On our journey in life, the Scriptures give us the road signs, give us the benchmarks to help us to know that we are spiritually on track with God. And so, uh, while James has many, many road signs to tell us, there's three I want to share with you today that have certainly spoken to my heart and I trust will speak to yours. And the first road sign is that in a faith that works, uh, it doesn't play favorites. But we really love our neighbor as we love ourselves. And James uses this illustration of if a rich person walks into your worship area and he or she's wearing rich clothes and nice ornaments and there's a poor person that comes in in rags, if you're playing favorites, you're not, you're not genuine Christian community. Because in genuine Christian community, Every life matters. Everyone counts. And that when we are living this faith, a playing no favorites, where we really love our neighbor as ourselves, we don't choose who our neighbor is. He uses the illustration of Rahab, the prostitute. Now, many of us, we may not know this story, but centuries before, the Jewish people were in Jericho and they were being attacked. And so this harlot of all people outside the faith, not of their faith, provides hospitality and love and care for these followers of the Lord when their life is in danger in her land. And what's clear to the hearers in the New Testament first century world that may not be clear to us. James is telling us that we as Christian people love neighbors that cross cultural lines, people that may not be of our faith or of any faith at all, 
that if we are on track with God, we're people that just doesn't play favorites. The coach house that we are opening today is another example of how that we are striving as a faith community to live our faith out and put it into action. The coach house for women who are homeless in our community who will find a place and mentorship in a restoration of their lives is another way in which we believe that we're called by God to love our neighbor as ourself. And I wanna ask you before you leave this campus today to make certain you just go across the parking lot and you go and you walk through that house. Or join us at 1215 for the dedication as we're giving this to God because we believe that we don't play favorites and that we're called to love our neighbors right here in our community. That's a, a faith in action. There's a second road sign that I want us to look at this morning from James. It tells us that mercy wins over judgment. Kind mercy wins over harsh judgment. Christians sometimes are criticized for being harsh and judgmental toward other people. And sometimes we earn that criticism. Sometimes it's true. Sometimes it's a false narrative. But James is telling us, and these words just kind of leap out at us. People in Christian community, people who are following the ways of Jesus, we believe and we practice mercy over judgment. And Christians of all people, Christians in our culture, Christians who believe that the kingdom of God is here, we of all people are the people that lead the way in extending mercy and love to people, regardless of their race or their color or their creed or their faith or their no faith at all that we are the people that love justice for everyone. And we don't differentiate among any person because we believe that every person, every human being is made in the image of God and is valued by God as much as anyone else. And so in the kingdom of God, God cares and goodness reaches out to everyone. As I was thinking about this, my brother, my friend, my colleague, Darren Smith, the pastor at East Sunshine Church of Christ, shared a story about Christians really living out this faith, this sense of justice in a place in Uganda, Africa. He tells this amazing story of Kibo, a Christian ministry, really loving everyone. You gotta watch this video. Kibo Group is a faith-inspired nonprofit um, in which Americans partner with East Africans um, to help communities flourish. And our vision was that um, the church, these communities of disciples of Jesus, would transform their villages and therefore transform this entire region of Uganda. It's called the Busoga region. There are villages in which there is no church because it's predominantly Muslim. And one example of this is there was a Muslim village 
And I say Muslim because it's 95% Muslim. And the Kibo group knew that there was desperate need in this village. There was no water well. Uh, there was disintegration in relationships. There were two different Muslim groups, a Sunni group and a Shiite group. There was one small Anglican church. Um, and there was all kinds of fighting and dissension in their relationships. And that contributed to the bad sanitation, uh, the lack of hygiene, the malnutrition, and all these other effects from really what we believe is a lack of Jesus Christ. So the Kibo group went to this predominantly Muslim village and said, we are here to, to build you as a community. We're here to see your relationships change first and foremost. And we believe that we can see transformation in your entire village. And we're doing this for all of you. And it didn't matter that you were in this Muslim group or that Muslim group or that you were a part of the Anglican church in the village. What mattered was really making life better for the whole village. And then they went to the women's empowerment group and uh, the, the Christian women from Kibo were teaching biblically-based uh, lessons about being a mother and a wife and how to take care of the home better and, and hygiene and cleanliness and diet. And they saw their, their children improving and getting healthier. They saw the marriages improving. And uh, then we, we moved to the project um, in which they, they dig pit latrines in the entire village, but everyone is responsible for it. Everybody's participating. And so pit latrines get dug in every home uh, because before you can come in and do the last part of the project, the drilling of a, a clean water well, deep water well, you've got to have a clean area or the clean water won't make a difference. And so they've taught all these projects and then they get the, get the deep water well. And at the end of it, the village leaders, especially the Muslim leaders came and said, we can't believe this. How is it that Christians are coming to give something to Muslims? How is it that Christians want our lives to be better and want our children to be healthy? And you've done it without making us jump onto your way of life. And yet we want your way of life. We want what you have. And Kibo Group just said, this is Jesus. We do this because of Jesus. And Jesus wants everyone to be blessed and to enjoy his kingdom life. This is what it means to be in the kingdom of God. And I was teaching lessons about being a man of God from the book of Ephesians. And so we go through the entire letter of Ephesians and he's hearing about grace and he's hearing about what God has done through Jesus. And then at the end of that letter, he hears about what that means in practical terms in uh, marriages and in purity and in uh, speech and in work relationships and in parenting. And he's hearing what that sounds like. And he was amazed and the next day, and this was a Saturday when it ended, he went to the local church on a Sunday morning. And one of the Kibo leaders was preaching in that church that day. And this Muslim man, this leader in his community, showed up at the church on a Sunday morning for worship. And he went to my friend Martin the, of Kibo group who was about to preach and he said, is it okay if I speak to the church? Martin said, well, sure, speak to the church. And the Muslim man got up and spoke about what he had learned from Scripture and how it had transformed already his thinking, how it had transformed uh, the way that he approached his wife. I had encouraged them to wash the feet of their wives when they got home, and he had done that, and he had talked about that. And he was saying to all the people in the, in the church, all these other Christian men, 
you need to go to this next year. You need to go to the conference. You need to learn what the Bible says because it will change your life and it will change your home and you'll become a better man. And uh, he talked about how he had learned that about God. So Martin came to me the next day and he, he was reporting this and he said, Smith, you cannot believe what I heard yesterday. This Muslim man was preaching the good news of Jesus in the church. Can you imagine? This Muslim man was preaching the gospel. It was amazing. Changed people change people. And people who've been transformed by Jesus see the flourishing of life, the kingdom of God break out in the people all around them. It's holistic. It changes every sphere, and that's what's happened in Uganda. So when Christians live like Christians, the kingdom of God breaks out. When Christians live and love according to the teachings of Jesus, the world takes notice. And when we are just like everybody else, the world also notices our hypocrisy. And God is calling us as people of God, as the followers of Jesus, to always practice mercy over judgment. And if we believe that the kingdom of God is to break out in this community, then we're, we're stepping out and we're taking new territory. We're stepping out of darkness into light and we are the people of God that believe that we're called forth to extend mercy and compassion to everyone. And when we do these things, everyone knows about it. Now, there's one more road sign that I want us to look at today that James is just kind of screaming out at us. And the road sign is that faith and works, faith and action go together like hand in glove. And that when someone's in need, when someone's in bodily need, when someone's in physical need, religious platitudes don't cut it. Saying to someone, oh, be clothed with Christ doesn't make it. Or we spew out words like God is good all the time and all the time God is good. That, that's a farce. Unless we are demonstrating in our lives and our own personal generosity that God is good and that God is generous. And what God is calling us as the people of God to do and to be is to be with people, to be engaged with people, to get down in the nitty and gritty of life with people as the Christians did in this African village and, uh, and see what God does with that. Richard Rohr is a Franciscan priest, a Catholic theologian, and he describes the attitude and the approach of many caring Christians today as limousine liberals, where we just like to stay confined in our limousine and throw money at problems. We do this for people, or we do this to the poor, and we call that good. And that is not what James is calling us to be. What's happening at Schweitzer is, is a transformation in itself. 
And it's been going on, I would say, for about the last six years. And what we are doing and striving to do is to be similar to that African village where we extend mercy and love and care to everyone in our neighborhood in this part of town, but also in greater Springfield. And so in, in Schweitzer's Faith in Action, about six years ago, we put legs on our food pantry. And in our food pantry ministry, we don't want to be just another food pantry. We want to be just a place where people come for handouts, but it's an emergency food pantry. And if you come back a second time, we want to have a conversation with you. Diane Joy leads that ministry. We want to be in relationship with you. We want to talk about the chronic things that are going on in your life that is creating this situation where you need food. And so the food pantry is one of those things that we began and, and begins to flourish and begins to have relationship with people. And then along that same line, about five years ago, we started Pittman Partnership where we're engaging in area schools. And in the Pittman School relationship, we have the Good News Club where we go in and we share the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ with children in our neighborhood as well as tutor them and teaching them how to read. It's not an either-or thing. In each of these ministries, what we are seeking to do is to proclaim the gospel, the good news that God loves everyone and that Jesus has come and lived and died and lives again among us. And he's for us, not against us. And he invites us into the kingdom as we do works of justice. And then three years ago, we started Church at the Center. We had this vision four years ago. And it was implemented where we wanted to be able to reach people that are living more on the edges. And people that may not necessarily feel comfortable always in this place. But a gathering place in the outreach center across the parking lot where people come to know faith and, and bring their faith that they already have to this worshiping community. And one of the exciting things about Church of the Center this year is that it's begun a ministry covenant with many women and men in sober houses, new beginnings, that live within blocks of our church campus. And they're engaged in serving and loving and knowing Jesus in a personal way. So Church at the Center is a place where we don't want to pigeonhole people, though, because we believe that people of all stripes may be comfortable in this place, and it's a ministry that's expanding. We don't see any boundaries or walls among us. And then a couple years ago, we started Jobs for Life. It's a ministry that believes that people do not simply need handouts. They need a hand up. And that we flip the list. Churches oftentimes hand out some food and we hand out our bags and we call it good. And it has nothing to do with changing lives. But what we have chosen to do is to believe that people need jobs. And people need the ability to work and need to have the life skills and, and the employee skills to be able to thrive in their life. And we've had people with high school educations through master's degrees that have benefited from this. It's starting again in another week. We're looking for champions. Again, people that will do with people, engaging in their lives. And last year, we began the community garden, the neighborhood garden. And we had no idea that God was going to send Burmese refugees that live just a mile from our church. It's amazing how you learn the neighborhood and the community when you start doing works of mercy and justice for everyone and who shows up.
this kind, loving people gardening with Anglos in our community, watching and seeing what God does. And now today, we begin Coach House, a ministry with women that are homeless, that within six months to a year will have the money and the resources to get up on their feet and have a life of hope. And we believe that Jesus Christ is about all these ministries. All these ministries are faith-based. And we are saying to everyone that's involved in these ministries that God wants to give you a future of hope and not, a, not despair. And as we're doing these things, we're inviting you to consider joining the hundreds of people at Schweitzer that are already giving themselves to this ministry. And so if you would like to be a part of any one of these ministries, we have the contact information on the screen. You can get your camera out right now. You can take a picture of that. I'll give you a minute to do that. And the contact person for each of those ministries is also on the front of Pray, Study, Grow, which is the paper of, of our daily devotions that's right out there in the foyer. You want to grab one of those, you can do that. Now, I realize that some of us are living in seasons of life where we don't have the time to do one more thing. Or we're already doing other things that are just as meaningful and just as impactful for the kingdom of God. But here's what I hear James speaking to us in the scripture this morning. That in our everyday life, in the way that we relate to people, in the way that we live among people, in our going-to-work life, we don't play favorites. We love our neighbors just as much as we love ourselves. And that mercy triumphs over evil. Not always easy to believe in a world of so much tension and turmoil. And disarray. And that faith lived out through our works brings the kingdom among us. We are saved completely by grace, but the saving grace of God changes us from the inside out. And that you and I are called to live this life fully immersed, jumping in, our whole selves as brothers and sisters of faith. This past week, we had a break-in at Schweitzer. Many of you are aware of that. Last Thursday morning, there were a, a number of entry points. There was considerable vandalism that was done. There were several items stolen. And we are taking, humanly speaking, we're taking precautions and we're doing things to address this matter, but I want to speak with you this morning from a spiritual vantage point. So I believe that as we are stepping out and we are doing things for this community and the neighborhood, 
and we're reaching about caring for the poor and justice and mercy and creating relationships that restore people's lives, we think that someone is not pleased with us. We believe there is an enemy that is not pleased with us. And we don't believe that we wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities and powers and darkness. And I don't like to talk too much about the devil because I don't like to give him free press time. But we read in the Scripture that there are demons. But the Scripture doesn't tell us that the Christians believe and tremble. It says that the demons believe and shudder. And we don't have to be afraid of the devil. We know you, Satan, that you really don't have that much power to start with. You excel in trickery and discord. You create all kinds of dissension among people, and you're doing a pretty good job of it in this world. But you have no authority, and you have no place on this campus. And we as a church are in business, and we are stepping out. And we're claiming new territory for the kingdom of God in this neighborhood. And anyone that loves peace and justice, of faith, of no faith of all, have no reason to fear us. It's not that kind of takeover. But it's a stepping of bringing light, bringing light, love, goodness to everyone. Not playing any favorites here. And we are standing on the word of God. We're claiming the authority of Jesus Christ that the gates of hell will not prevail against us. My wife and I took our blessed water and salt and walked all over this place yesterday to get all the roaches out and to claim the authority that we are a church that's here in the business of the kingdom of God and take notice. We're claiming new territory. We're doing the work of God. We are not afraid of the evil one. And because we believe, as friends of God, we are to bring the kingdom in such a way that people will want to know Jesus Christ and be converted. And we pray for everyone, the perpetrators of this crime, because we know behind them is an evil that has captured their heart. And we declare light to overshine and overcome the darkness. Because as the people of God, we believe that mercy, that mercy, that mercy triumphs over evil. Now, instead of just... Why don't we just stand up and give God some applause, all right?